here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Tuesday night, December 3rd, 2019. Kicking off the show In the Dark by Billy Squire. I believe that is the first time Billy Squire has been played uh, as an opener on the show. Happy to have you with us. We've got a big show to get to. We've got lots of NFL things to discuss as well as college football as we wind down here. It is uh, Conference Championship Saturday coming up. Um, obviously, those games will have major implications as far as the uh, college, playoff, college football playoff picture is concerned. Um, but we begin with the NFL. Uh, we'll talk briefly about the Lions. Listen, there, there's really not much uh, worth talking about there, right? Uh, another loss. Um, they were 2-0-1. They are now 3-8-1. They're on the road this week against Minnesota. You have to think, and Minnesota needs the game after losing last night to Seattle in a hard-fought game in Seattle um, where they are tremendous on Monday night. Um, so they're going to need that game. They're going to be a little ornery. And frankly, they're a better team. They always give the lines fits, particularly in Minnesota. Uh, the Lions are now playing with David Blau as their quarterback as Jeff Driscoll got hurt in the Washington game. Blau actually acquitted himself fairly well, uh, I thought, on Thanksgiving. Played, got off to a hot start, sort of stumbled there in the middle, uh, made some plays down the stretch, drove them down the field. That, that sack late in the game kind of took away any shot of them having a chance to win. Um, so, you know, look, uh, Lions aren't going to win this week. Uh, they play Tampa Bay. At home, they maybe could win that game. Tampa Bay is not a particularly good team, although their offense is pretty good. I mean, Jameis Winston turns it over more than anybody in the league. I believe he's got at least 22 interceptions, and uh, I think he's got close to seven or eight lost fumbles. So he's a turnover machine. Problem is the lines don't turn anybody over because the defense is terrible. Uh, the defensive scheme is laughable. They have supposedly a defensive guru slash genius and Matt Patricia running that defense. It's absolutely awful. Um, again, they let Mitch Trubisky, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, have his way with them again. Um, Mitch Trubisky has thrown 13 touchdowns this year, six against the Lions, six, seven against the rest of the league in how many games now? What are we in now? We got down to four in 12 games. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. This is Mitch Trubisky we're talking about. This isn't Aaron Rodgers. This isn't even Kirk Cousins. It's not Tom Brady. It's not, you know, Ben Roethlisberger or any other good quarterbacks in the league. It's Mitch Trubisky, who, if it wasn't for the Lions, might be ahead of the league. And the head coach is supposedly some sort of defensive guru. I watched Quandre Diggs last night come up and lay the lumber on Irv Smith Jr., the rookie tight end for uh, the Vikings last night. The Lions don't have anybody in the secondary made a hit like that all season. But Bob Quinn thought... Quandre Diggs isn't good enough to play here. Somehow he's good enough to play on a 9-2 Seattle team. Or sorry, now 10-2? What's Seattle? I think they're 9-2 now. So somehow he's good enough to play on that team, on that defense, but not good enough for the 3-8-1 Lions. And I'm supposed to uh, think that, uh, have faith in Bob Quinn that he knows what he's doing? And that Matt Patricia knows what he's doing? By the way, can we also point out the fact that the Patriots' defenses of recent years... By the way, it's much better now that Bad Patricia's not there. 
That's number one. Number two, uh, last time we saw Matt Patricia coach a defense for the Patriots, they were giving up, what, 50 points to the Eagles? The Nick Foles-led Eagles in the Super Bowl? Nick Foles, who just lost his job in Jacksonville? Nick Foles, who, other than playing for the Eagles, has been awful everywhere else he's been. The Rams, now with Jacksonville. They just gave him a nice spot. By the way, uh, I understand Doug Marone, the head coach of Jacksonville, might lose his job. And everybody loves Tom Coughlin, and, and I get it. But um, how about the fact he gave Nick Foles $50 million guaranteed, and now he just lost his job to Gardner Minshew, a sixth-round draft pick. And by the way, I don't want to say I told you so, but I said I went back and listened to a show from 2018, and I talked about how Nick Foles on a little magic carpet ride there for the Eagles, but by no means is he a proven commodity. And again, just look at his career. Other than he had that nice little run with the Eagles a while ago where he had like 21 touchdowns and three interceptions, beat the Lions in that snow game. That was in 2013, by the way, already. It's already six years ago somehow. And then he left, and then he went back, and then obviously had the nice little magic carpet ride there when they made the Super Bowl and, and, and you know and won the Super Bowl. But, I mean, so that's the genius, Matt Patricia? That's the defensive guru? Again, it's all Belichick. Matt Patricia's just there, along for the ride, like everybody else in New England. The only guy that's shown any ability outside of the, the little incubator up there is Bill O'Brien, who just beat, finally, for the first time, just beat Belichick, head-to-head. That's it. Romeo Cornell, disaster as a head coach. Sweet man, nicest man in the world, great defensive coordinator. Back in Houston, by the way, as defensive coordinator, was a horrible head coach. Charlie Weiss, terrible head coach. Two places in college, right? Notre Dame, he was a disaster. Kansas, he was a disaster. I mean, and the front office types, too. I think the only one that's had any success is Thomas Dimitrov in Atlanta. That's it. I think he came from New England, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Pioli left, went to Kansas City. They they couldn't wait to get him out of town after he won executive of the year in New England. But again, most people will tell you that Belichick makes most of the decisions there when it comes to personnel. He's got full reign. So the Lions, as usual, got sold a bill of goods with Bob Quinn, who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Again, that's all you need to know about Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn said he never studied one player more in the draft than Tease Tabor. Tease Tabor, who was a huge question mark coming out of college because as a cornerback, he ran like a 4740. Now, there are guys that play in the league like Richard Sherman who ran in the 4-6s. Josh Norman ran in the 4 six. Josh Norman ain't any good anymore, but he was okay early in his career. Kind of a gambler type, made a lot of plays on the ball early in his career. Now he can't do anything. But Richard Sherman is remarkable. And, you know, Cam Chancellor as a safety, but a 230-pound safety ran in the 4-6s. But most corners, if you're not running at least in the 4-5s, you cannot play in the NFL. Tease Tabor ran 4-7. And Bob Quinn took him in the second round and announced to the world that he felt good about it because he'd never watched as much film in his life as he did on Tease Tabor. Tease Tabor's out of the league two years later. That's all you need to know. I mean, you could also add in the fact that Bob Quinn drafted a long snapper when the Lions had the best one in the league and who's still on the team in Don Muleback. You could also add in the fact that he wasted a draft pick on a fullback 
when fullbacks are not even part of the equation anymore. I mean, if they is part of, even fullback is part of your game plan on offense, you don't ever waste a draft pick. I don't care if it's a seventh round pick. You sign those guys as undrafted free agents. And the guy that he drafted, by the way, isn't, any, isn't even any good in Nick Bowden. He's not even any good. And then he took TJ Hawkinson to tight end with the top 10 pick this year. Talked about it last week with AG. You don't take tight ends in the top 10. Because even if they're good, their impact is not going to be as big or as strong as a top pass rusher, a top corner, a top offensive tackle, a top running back, a top wide. They don't impact the game as much as those other positions do. This league is about creating pressure on the quarterback and throwing the ball. That's what this league is about now. And the Lions wanted to try to go retro and be a power run team and stop the run. Well, they don't stop the run very well either, by the way. They've been okay at it lately, although some of that's a charade or a charade, if you will, because teams just throw all over them. So really what it comes down to now, if you're a Lions fan, is this. You want the team to lose out because maybe that will force Martha Firestone Ford into making a change. Both GM and coach, because they're 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 married. They're they're tied, you know, they're t- they're tied at the hip here, right? But Bob Quinn is on record. Nine and seven is not good enough, right? Jim Caldwell went nine and seven. What? Sorry, won what? Ten or eleven games his first year in fourteen. Took over those Jim Schwartz teams that really the most unlucky team I've ever seen in my life, and had talent too. Talented teams, and then got screwed in the playoff game against the Cowboys in 14. They had the horrible start to 15 when they went 1-6, and six, had a good second half, finished 7-9, and nine, then won 9-7 and seven the next year, made the playoffs, got bounced in the first round by Seattle, and then went 9-7 and seven the next year and didn't make the playoffs. And then Bob Quinn fired Jim Caldwell, brought in Matt Patricia, because he announced to the world that 9-7 and seven is not good enough. Well, if 9-7 isn't good enough, and by the way, again, I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. For all these Lions fans out there that may be listening, that keep buying into this false narrative that some sort of culture change was needed and therefore Patricia is going to get, what, four or five years to implement his culture change? The Lions' culture was fine under Jim Caldwell. That was a professional team. He cut down on the dumb penalties that they committed during the Schwartz era. They played hard for him. Now, look, did he have some in-game gaffes? Yeah, the nine men on the field against Baltimore, that was horrible. But Patricia's had several in-game gaffes, too. How about the first game of the year when he called timeout, when the Lions ran a play that would have sealed the deal against Arizona? How about that? How about the fact that, yet again, at the end of the first half against Chicago on Thanksgiving, he didn't use his timeouts properly and never, rarely ever does. So, listen, I understand Caldwell wasn't perfect, but at least there was professionalism there. So there, this, 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 this fallacy that there needed to be some massive culture change, that's just because Patricia decided that there needed to be. And by the way, that's his right. Just be right. That's his right to think that there's a culture change, but then be right and identify the right players. Don't get rid of guys like Golden Tate and Quandre Diggs who play hard and actually, guess what, can play, but you don't like them because they're outspoken and aren't complete automatons and kiss your ass every two seconds and tell you how great you are like Trey Flowers will and Jared Davis will and Danny Amendola will. And listen, I understand every regime needs its, some of its guys. You can't have your whole team like that. 
And you can't have a whole team of choir boys either in the NFL. You're going to need some guys that, mm, they might be, you know, listen, I'm not talking about off-the-field illegal stuff. But you might need some guys that, you know, maybe, you know, they call them dogs. You need some dogs every now and then on your team. You might need a guy like a Charles Haley, who nobody on the team can stand, but can actually really play football. You know, it's all well and good to have a bunch of really great guys, great character guys. I, I'm, I'm not being facetious now. I agree. That's a nice thing to have. As a fan, you like rooting for those guys. I get it. But they also need to be able to play. Doesn't do you any good if they can't play. So, if the Lions lose out, and there's a strong possibility they will. They're going to lose in Minnesota. They could definitely lose to Tampa Bay. They could de- they're definitely going to lose at Denver. And then if Green Bay needs the last game of the year in Detroit, they're going to lose that game too. So at most, the Lions are going to win one game here in the last four. At most. Which is going to be a four-win season on the heels of a six-win season on the heels of the previous coach won nine games. And, at, and coached here for four years and had a winning record. And again, his worst season was seven and nine. So... Martha Firestone Ford will be well within her rights to can Bob Quinn because this is his fourth year. And forget about Patricia. Forget about this is only Patricia's second year. Again, he's part and parcel with Bob Quinn. This is Bob Quinn's fourth year. I don't want to hear about Patricia needs more time. No, 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 no. It's nonsense. By the way, the Panthers just fired Ron Rivera. If he could get fired, the guy made a Super Bowl. Matt Patricia could certainly hit the bricks. The likelihood, unfortunately, is that they're going to give these guys another year or at least the first quarter or half of next year. But I'll tell you this, if, they, if these guys survive a, a disastrous season and they're going to probably use Matthew Stafford's injury as cover, and that's fine. Uh, the reality is, folks, the Lions offense has played well enough to win without Matthew Stafford. And by the way, they weren't playing all. They weren't winning even with him playing at an MVP level, because the defense is lousy, and that's what Bob Quinn invested all his resources in this offseason. He gave Trey Flowers a huge contract. He gave Mike Daniels a big one-year, eight million dollar deal. He made Justin Coleman the highest-paid slot corner in the league. Justin Coleman, the last time we saw him, he was getting ripped by Anthony Miller on Thanksgiving and has been getting ripped all season long, except for a couple of decent punch-away plays early in the season. He's been awful. And Rashawn Melvin, who, again, after a decent start to the season, has uh, played poorly. So, they'll probably let the Stafford injury provide cover and an excuse for the four-win year. But I'll tell you this, the Lions get off to a one-and-four start next year, two-and-five, something like that. These guys, will they, they, they better be gone. But again, see, to me, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't trust Bob Quinn with a top five pick because he just had a top 10 pick and he blew it on TJ Hawkinson. And I don't want to hear, again, that, oh, he's a rookie, tight ends, it's a very hard rookie year. That's all true. And I'm not saying TJ Hawkinson might not turn into a good player. He very well may. He didn't show you a lot this year other than the first game against Arizona, but he may turn into a good player. But that's beside the point. The point is is that you don't take tight ends in the top 10 because their impact just isn't big enough.
I mean, unless you're, and again, we talked, I know I sound like a broken record, but we talked about it with AG last week. Look at all the best tight ends in the league. None of them are first round picks. Almost none of them. Kelsey, George Kittle. Hunter Henry, if you want to use him, out in uh, San Diego, although he's not great and he's been hurt. But, I mean, look, you saw this guy Hollister last night for Seattle. I think he was an undrafted fridge. I mean, again, it's just you don't waste, you don't use top 10 picks on tight ends, particularly when you're the Lions and you have other pressing issues, particularly pass rusher and offensive line that Bob Quinn, you know, can't figure that out either. And running back. You know, you saw what Darius Geis can be this past week as he ran right through. Who did Washington just beat, by the way? Oh, boy. Can't remember. But anyway, explosive, dynamic. Instead, the Lions tra- traded up and took pedestrian, injury-prone on Johnson. Again, nice kid. Plays hard. It's not that good. So, look, I'm hoping that there's sweeping changes. I'm not optimistic that there will be. And again, I'll be the first to admit it. I find Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia very hard to root for because they're arrogant and they have smartest guy in the room syndrome. At least that's, that's, the, that's the image they portray to the public. They may be the nicest human beings on the planet in real life. I have no idea. But what I see are two guys that are smug, arrogant, and think they're the smartest guys in the room. So it's really hard to root for those guys. All right, moving on. Talked about the Steelers last week and nobody doing a better job in the NFL this year than Mike Tomlin. And Sunday... His past win over Cleveland just further proves that point. I mean, so now we talked about already this year, and it's funny, people are starting to finally take notice about the Steelers. Peter King, who used to write for Sports Illustrated, was one of the, the, the preeminent football writers and a guy I used to read religiously. So Sports Illustrated is essentially going to be gone soon. He left there a while ago. Now he's on NBC he writes a column now for Pro Football Talk called Football Monday in America or something like Football Morning in America. But he actually wrote a nice piece about, an interesting piece about the Steelers and about how, you know, they went to their third string quarterback, Devlin Hodges, right, whose nickname is Duck, apparently, who last year was playing at Samford College in Alabama. And how, you know, they had the whole big controversy against the Browns a few weeks ago where Miles Garrett ripped off Mason Rudolph's helmet and swung it at him and hit him in the head. And then uh, weeks later came out and claimed that Mason Rudolph, uh, you know, hurled some sort of a racial epithet at him, um, although nobody really seems to be able to back that up. Um, and, you know, the Browns and the Steelers don't like each other to begin with. And the Steelers basically own the Browns for the last however many years. Um, but the Browns, you know, uh, won that game. They're feeling, you know, a little chesty, right? Steelers are starting their third string quarterback. No James Conner in this game. We talked about all the other guys they've been missing. Their center, Morkey's Pouncey, Pouncey was out because he came to Rudolph's defense in that melee that ensued after Miles Garrett ripped the guy's helmet off. So they were down a bunch of starters, 
And here's the difference. Here's all you need to know. This is Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, apparently on purpose, didn't really overly coach Hodges this week, right? He didn't he, he didn't want to really get be in his ear the whole time. Because what he said was, this is according to Peter King's column now, you know, he knew it was a big game. They needed the game, obviously. They, right now they'd make they, they'd be the second wild card. But he didn't want to be all up in the kid's face because he said if he did that, then, you know, he might make the kid more nervous. And so, look, just trust him to go out there and play. Just be you. Just go do what you can do. Right? And, I mean, it's, it sounds simple, but it's really smart. And that's why Mike Tomlin is one of the reasons why Mike Tomlin is a great coach. On the flip side of that coin is Freddie Kitchens, who was seen out in public wearing a Pittsburgh Started It t-shirt. Now, look, you may say, what's the big deal? The big deal is he's the head coach of a football team. You know, if a player wears that, it's one thing. You're the head coach. You can't do that. I know it's a bit of an overused cliche, but, I mean, you are the CEO of the team. You can't be seen. I don't care that you went to go see the Mr. Rogers movie with your daughters the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, be a grown-up. Where are the grown-ups in pro sports these days? Are there any grown-ups? I mean, Mike Tomlin's a grown-up. That's why his team is persevering despite losing guys right and left all season long. You didn't hear Mike Tomlin chirping before the Browns game, did he? No. He just goes and coaches his guys up. And they show up and play. And even after the game, he didn't even really take the bait either. But some Steelers players said, you damn right they noticed that the coach of the Browns wore a shirt that said Pittsburgh started it. I mean, listen, I understand we live in a society now where shame has gone completely out the window. Look no further than the orange idiot in the White House for that. Okay? So, Freddie Kitchens, by the way... um, you will be fired at the end of this year. I would not. I mean, I'd be shocked if he survives this season. I mean, first of all, the team looks completely overmatched half the time as far as completely undisciplined, lead the league in penalties, all kinds of pre-snap penalties, all the things that are hallmarks of a poorly coached team, the Browns show you on a week-by-week basis. And again, they've got a bunch of me guys on that team like Odell Beckham Jr., Right? I mean, it, it's a terrible marriage to begin with. But again, where are the grown-ups? Be a grown-up. You're the head coach of a football team. Of a pro team. Knock it off. But you know, everybody wants to hire everybody, all these guys in their 30s. And again, these guys are from a different generation. These guys feel that my emotions need to be expressed all the time. I need to share every stupid thought that comes into my head on Twitter every two seconds. That's this generation. You know? Living well is the best revenge. Speak softly, carry a big stick. All those things, nobody ever heard of that anymore. No, 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 no. I mean, it's societal, but it also, and and it's so, so sports is just kind of, you know, an example of that. But that's where we're at now. Again, there are some exceptions to the rule. Guys like Mike Tomlin. 
Sean Payton. I mean, there's some really good coaches, obviously, in the league. You know, but these guys are all grown-ups. So, tremendous job by the Steelers. Oh, they didn't even have Juju Smith-Schuster, their best receiver in that game. I mean, they're down their best running back. They're down their best wide receiver. They're down in their third-string quarterback. Granted, that was a decision Tomlin made to go with Hodges over Rudolph because Rudolph played poorly the week before, and Hodges came in and bailed them out. The defense really won them that game, but okay. But, I mean, again, think about it. Mike Tomlin better be getting some votes for Coach of the Year. Now, look, they've got a tough road. Uh, road to hoe here down the stretch. You know, their last four games, let's take a look at it actually. Their last four games here for Pittsburgh are not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. So let's take a look here. They've got to play. All right, they're at the Cardinals this week. It's a game they should win. You hate to say that, right? Because it's the NFL. And just when you think you know, you don't know. But it's a game they certainly can win. Let's put it that way. Then their home... The one thing that scares me about that is the Cardinals just got smashed at home by the Rams this past week. So, you know, and Kyler Murray certainly did not look like uh, the, 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 next, the, the second coming. Uh, the Rams were all over him. I mean, Aaron Donald tackled him with one hand, threw him down like a, a like he looked like a like a like a tackling dummy, like a rag doll. Completely overmatched in that game. But we'll see. But it's a game they certainly can win, rather than should win. It's a game they can win. And again, if they're going to make the playoffs, they, it's a game they have to win. Then they're home against the Bills. Sunday night game, NBC. It's going to be a tough game. Bills are Bills are good. We'll get to them in a little while. They did a little number on AG's team on Thanksgiving, that's for sure. Then they're at the Jets. Certainly another game they can win. And they're at the Ravens. Going to be a tough game. That's, you know, that's a blood feud. These teams hate each other. Baltimore is really good this year. We've talked about them and, and the innovative ways they're using Lamar Jackson over there. Coaching to his strengths, not trying to jam a square peg in a round hole. That's what real coaching is all about. Give the Ravens coaching staff, Jim Har- John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, a ton of credit. Plus, the Ra- Ravens' defense is also really good. So that's going to be a very tough game. Their best hope there is the Ravens don't need the game. But guess what? I don't care if the Ravens don't need the game. If the Steelers need that game to make the playoffs, the Ravens will be more than happy to beat them and keep the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the playoffs. Believe me. So, I mean... Two and two certainly seems like probably the best case scenario here, which is going to be nine and seven, which probably won't get it done. Still could, still could. Tennessee right now is is the other team they got to contend with there for that second playoff, uh, second wild card spot. We talked about them last week. They had a huge win again against uh, the Colts in their division in Indianapolis. Game-changing play there. Blocked field, field goal by Dane Crookshank. Safety out of Arizona, who AG was a big fan of a couple of years ago coming out of the draft. Great special teams player. He's doing it again in the NFL. Blocked it. Blocked field goal attempt. Got returned for a touchdown. Adam Vinatieri, probably going to the Hall of Fame as a place kicker, having a miserable year at age 44, whatever he is. He likely should be. his. Not likely. This will be his last year as a kicker in the NFL. 
I mean, he, I think he missed an extra point, got two field goals blocked, and missed another one on Sunday in that game. That game looks like a blowout, but it really wasn't. That game was tied 17-17 at the time. They're about to kick a field goal to go up, and instead they're down. And then, and, then the, and then the floodgates opened, and they were done. Anyway, I digress. So it's going to be a tough road to hoe here for the Steelers. 9-7 and seven could get them in. As a matter of fact, let's take a look the standings here. And then we'll get to some of these other games in a second. We'll get to Bills Cowboys. Talk Baltimore, San Francisco, New England, Houston. But NFL, let's take a quick look at the standings. Shall we? You've got... uh, Okay. Yeah, Steelers and Titans... Right now, we're both tied at 7-5, and five, but Pittsburgh wins. They have a better AFC record right now. Then you got the Raiders at 6-6, six and six, who looked like they had a nice little thing going and then got lost, got blown out by the Jets, and then just got blown out by Kansas City, which, you know, there's no great shame in losing to Kansas City, but they, 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 it looks like the wheels have fallen off the Raiders. The Colts are 6-6. Six and six. That's pretty much it. Let's take a look at the Titans, look at their schedule here down the stretch. So the Titans' last four games are at the Raiders. Again, certainly a winnable game, much like the Steelers at Arizona. But, again, scary game. The Raiders will look terrible the last two weeks. You'd think they could be able to bounce back. Then they're home against the Texans. Division game, tough game. Texans are a good team. Texans want to win that division. Then they're home against the Saints. Again, very tough game. And then they're at the Texans. So the Titans certainly have the harder schedule than the Steelers do. So it's 9-7. and seven. Steelers go 2-2. Two 9-7 and two. Nine and seven very well may get them in. Because I could easily see Tennessee going 1-3 and three here in the last four. But even if they finish 9-7, and seven, again, I think the Steelers would go via way of having a better conference record. All right, Bills-Cowboys. I mean... Look, I, I'll admit I didn't see the whole game. Um, but, you know, Brett Maher misses a chip shot field goal at the end of the first half. It was going to make it 13-10. He missed another field goal in that game. Uh, the Bills, you know, ran gadget plays to beat the Cowboys. Um, they couldn't stop Josh Allen. Dak turned it over. Cowboys look a mess. They look an absolute mess. Again, they are a very strange team. I mean, I mean, perfect example. They get the the game, the ball to start the game, and go right down the field, seventy-five yards, nine plays, touchdown. Right, got to get the obligatory shot of Jera and his boys up there in the owner's box celebrating. By the way, why is it a rule that every time I watch a Cowboys game, I have to get fifteen minutes of the Jones family on TV? They have to get screen time. Why is that? You don't see any other owners where they do that, do you? I mean, you certainly never see the Lions owners. I mean, the Lions are hardly ever on TV, but when they are, or even when they're, I mean, they're on, obviously, TV every week, but national TV. Why is that? See, this is why people hate the Cowboys that aren't Cowboys fans. Because they get covered like there's something, there's something to be reckoned with when they've basically been the, 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 the hallmark of mediocrity for the last 20 years. Anyway. I digress. Cowboys are a strange team. They got a lot of talented players. They look great at times and terrible at times all in the same game. 
It's very, very strange. And, I mean, it looks like this is probably going to be it for Garrett. I mean, Jerry Jones just gave him the sort of dreaded vote of confidence the other day. And look, Dallas could run the table and still make the playoffs and get hot. Because, first of all, the Eagles stink to high heaven. They just lost to the Dolphins. Although, give my man Brian Flores, Polly Prep alum credit. Keeping that thing together. By the way, Dolphins are not as bad as people think, particularly on defense. They've got some pieces over there. Raquan McMillan, Baker, Christian Wilkins. They've got a couple of pieces over there. The team plays hard. Listen, you're not doing anything with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They need a quarterback. I understand that. Rosen appears to not be the answer. I mean, they need a lot. Devontae Parker's having a monster second half of the year now, finally fulfilling his potential when he came out of Louisville a few years back. Big, strong, fast, wide receiver. Now, wait. I just completely lost my train of thought. Oh, we're going to look at the Cowboys' schedule. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, talking about the Eagles, and I digress. I start talking about the Dolphins. We're all over the map here. That's all right, though. So Dallas is leading the division at 6-6. Philly's 5-7. Dallas' last four games, they got the Bears this Thursday night in Chicago. Look, uh, it's not going to be an easy game, I don't think. It's in Chicago. I know Mitch Trubisky isn't any good. But, I mean, how can you trust the Cowboys at this point? You can't. But, I mean, look, you got Dak Prescott's going to throw for over 4,000 yards easily. He's got almost 3,800 already. Zeke's 10 yards shy of 1,000. Cooper's 20 yards, 30 yards shy of 1,000. Gallup has shown up lately. I mean, uh, it's weird. Jalen Smith on defense, Van Der Esch, Demarcus Lawrence, Malik Collins. I mean, I mean you know, uh, Byron Jones is a good corner. I, it's strange. It's really strange. They have good players. I, they should not be 6-6. Six and six. But anyway, they're at Chicago this Thursday. Tough game game they have to have. Then they're home against the Rams. Rams are 7-5 and five right now, still clinging to the, the idea that they could make the wild card. Oh, that's going to be really hard. But again, not a gimme. Rams are 7-5. and five. The Rams are another uh, Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Look great some weeks, look terrible others. Then they're at the Eagles. Obviously, it's gonna, it should be a big game. And even if the Eagles are out of it, they're going to want to win that game because they hate the Cowboys. And they're home against the Redskins. So look, Cowboys could win out. I mean, they really, they could win out. They also could go 2-2 two and two and be 8-8. Eight and eight. That might be good enough because the Eagles, although the Eagles' schedule is super easy here down the stretch. Eagles play the last four games. Home against the Giants, at the Redskins, home against the Cowboys, at the Giants. I mean, the Eagles could win out too. I mean, if they can get their act together. I mean, they look awful. Their offense looks terrible. Carson Wentz has not looked anything like the guy who was playing at MVP level the season that they made the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Uh, the receivers, they uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's good. He's banged up a lot. So when he doesn't play, they're, they, 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 they really don't, you know, Deshaun Jackson's been out forever. You know, they got the rookie Ortega Whiteside. They, they're, they're playing Greg Ward, who was a quarterback at Houston in college. Who's like a practice squad guy. He's seeing significant reps now. You know, Nelson Aguilar, you never know what you're going to get from him. He'll make a great catch one play and then drop the easiest one the next. Super inconsistent. 
But, I mean, that that is not a hard schedule. I mean, you get the Giants twice. I mean, the Giants got awful. I mean, you'd think the Giants want to show up because it's a division game. But, you know, that last game at the Meadowlands, I still call it that. I mean, it's, you know, two days before New Year's Eve. Giants season's going to be way, the Giants season's over now. Uh, Pat Shermer should not be back as a head coach. Listen, never understood the hire to begin with. Guy was awful when he was a head coach in Cleveland. Now, I understand nobody's really had success in Cleveland, but, I mean, is that really? The, you're the New York Giants. You're going to tell me you can't do better than Pat Shermer? I mean, come on. Anyway. Uh, so, look, Eagles have a very easy schedule down the stretch, too. So, that, that, that even though they're 5-7 and seven and look terrible, and even Dallas is 6-6, six six, you know, either one of them, the division's still w- way up for grabs between both of them. That's the only way they're getting in. If one doesn't make the uh, win the division, they're not they're not going to make it as a wild card. And then the last Thanksgiving game was uh, Atlanta, New Orleans. Not a lot of drama here. You know, New Orleans pretty much had their way. The interesting thing though was watching Taysom Hill, former quarterback at BYU, that's a special teams demon for the Saints. Blocked a punt, ran for a touchdown, and caught a touchdown. I think in that game. Right, the, the, the Sean Payton uses him in all kinds of ways. I mean, you look at the guy. You know, his problem. He was a pretty good college quarterback. But he was always hurt, always hurt. But you look at the guy; he's a physical specimen. He's big, strong. He's fast, and he actually played a little backup quarterback when Breeze was out because he had to back up Bridgewater, so they couldn't use him as much on special teams. Because you know, if Bridgewater got hurt, they can't have the backup getting hurt too. Playing special teams. I mean, the guy runs down on kickoffs, makes tackles, punts. He's all over the place. Again, that's a good coach. See, Sean Payton sees what this guy can do well, and he lets him go do it. Lions don't do anything like that. None. They're trying to jam square pegs and round holes all over the place. You got to fit Patricia's precious system. Then Baltimore-San Francisco, that was a hell of a game. Two of the best teams in the league. Baltimore won 20-17 on a last-second 49-yard field goal in 40-degree weather, driving a rainstorm by... Justin Tucker, easily the best kicker in the league. I love Matt Prater, Lions kicker. He's great. Justin Tucker's better. I mean, listen, he's 39 for his last 39 fourth quarter field goal attempts. Let me repeat that. In the fourth quarter, 39 for his last 39. The guy is a stud. I know it all too well. Remember the 61-yarder he hit against the Lions in 2013 on Monday night? To ruin their uh, hopes of making the playoffs. Guy's a stud. Best kicker in the league. Another guy's going to go to the Hall of Fame. And by the way, he's also an opera singer in his spare time. Very interesting guy. The Sunday night game was New England and Houston. First half of that game, Brady looked done. I'm going to say it. I know you, 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 you question whether or not Brady and or the Patriots are done at your own peril. I get it. We've written their obituary before, and then we all look dumb. Uh, they look terrible, and he looked terrible. That offensive line isn't any good. I know they got Isaiah Wynn back. It's still not that good. Their receivers, other than Edelman, scare nobody. Sonny Michelle looks like a pedestrian at best running back. I mean, listen, James White's a very nice player as a receiving back still. You know, Burkhead's an okay change of pace back, but not great. And then, you know, again, I know their defense is supposed to be great. They, they, they beat up and, and, and padded their stats against a bunch of terrible offenses. When they play a real offense, 
like Baltimore or like Houston. I mean, they're not terrible, but they're not, you know, 85 Bears good, like the way they looked when they were playing, you know, uh, um, who is the Jets' terrible quarterback? The kid from Washington State, the backup. Oy vey, I can't remember his name. When they're playing against that guy or Josh Rosen or some of the other junk that they played against early in the year. They don't look good. You know, you see Brady yelling at his guys on the sideline. I mean, you know. I mean, that, that game, the score was not indicative of that game. I mean, Houston had that game well in the balance. Brady put up some nice window dressing stats late in that game. And they play Kansas City this Sunday in, in, in New England. Kansas City looks like they've righted the ship here. They're back up to 8-4 and four now. Mahomes playing well. That defense playing well. Completely shut down the Raiders. Not the Raiders have a great offense, but not bad. Josh Jacobs, a rookie running back, having a nice year. Kansas City completely shut him down. Juan Thornhill, rookie safety, second-round pick out of UVA, Virginia, for uh, the Chiefs had a pick six. He's been playing great all year. So we'll see what happens in that game. I know, Again, I, I get it. Every time you want to count the Patriots out and say the dynasty's finally over, age is finally catching up to Brady, you know, they put it together and they go on a run, whatever. But I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. They're obviously going to make the playoffs. They're 10 and 2. But they're, they're, they're done in the sense of they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. They're not. You can't just continuously lose good players on offense and then have a 44-year-old quarterback, however old Brady is, 42 or whatever it is, behind a bad offensive line and expect to not have any decrease in productivity. You're just, it's, it's, just, it's, not, it's not feasible. And if the defense isn't playing lights out, which again, it's not going to against real offenses, you know, I mean, listen, maybe Belichick will come up with, you know, they'll play the wing tee and they'll go, somehow go to a four tight end set, uh, you know, and, and play, you know, and somehow go to a power running game and get away with it. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back with some college football right after this. Okay, we are back here on a Tuesday night edition of Jamal About Sports football show. So, college football. Conference championship weekend coming up. Right now, you've got LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Georgia 4. That's really not that important. You know, whether or not Ohio State should be 1. I mean, look, they just smashed Michigan. Now, I understand that that's, you know, a good win. But is Michigan any good? Seriously. I mean, is Michigan any good? They got killed by Wisconsin. As a matter of fact, let's look at Michigan's schedule this year, shall we? Because I don't think Michigan's all that good. I mean, they're 9-3. and three. They beat up on the dregs of the Big Ten. They beat anybody good this year? Well, we're going to take a look. Okay. Here are Michigan's wins. Mid Mid Middle Tennessee State start the year. Army, who they barely beat, by the way, 24-21. They got smashed by Wisconsin, 35-14. They beat up on Rutgers. Big deal. Okay, they beat a, a, a pretty good Iowa team. You guys all know I love Iowa, and Iowa did what Iowa does. They won on a last-second field goal against Minnesota, who's having a Cinderella year to get their ninth win of the year. So, okay, they beat Iowa. That's a good win, 
Good solid win. So right now they have one good win on their resume. They beat Iowa. Lost? Lost? Oh no, sorry. They beat Illinois. I, I understand Illinois upset Wisconsin, and I think they have six wins. I, 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 I'm not, I don't consider Illinois a good team. Sorry, I don't. Okay. They lost to Penn State. Okay, they beat Notre Dame in the, in the driving rainstorm and beat them pretty badly. All right, two good wins. Then they killed a bad Maryland team, a bad MSU team. They beat Indiana, who did have eight wins this year. So I guess Indiana's decent. So, I mean, their resume is okay, Michigan. It's not great. Their best win was against Iowa, and they won 10-3. I guess you could say their best win was against Notre Dame. Although, is Notre Dame any good either, by the way? Notre Dame play anybody? They play that soft quasi-ACC schedule that doesn't include Clemson, of course. Matter of fact, let's take a look at Notre Dame's schedule while we're on the subject. This is for my friend Amanda, who's a big Notre Dame fan. We always argue about Notre Dame. Let's see. Who did they play this year? <sighs> okay, they beat Louisville. Louisville just got killed by Kentucky. I mean, Louisville 7-5, and five, whatever. Mediocre team. New Mexico. They lost to Georgia. They beat Virginia. Okay, UVA's decent team. Decent team. Bowling Green. They beat USC. You know what? They got USC. They caught USC at the right time. USC has played much better here lately down the stretch, particularly with the freshman quarterback. But they caught USC at the right time. And they beat them 30-27. But okay. It's a good win. Lost at Michigan. They beat Virginia Tech again. Virginia Tech's okay. Not great. Barely beat them 21-20. They beat Duke. Duke's not any good. They beat Navy. I mean, I know Navy won nine games. It's Navy. And they just beat up on BC and they just beat up on a bad Stanford team. I mean, Notre Dame didn't play anybody. Or they didn't beat anybody really all that particularly impressive. I mean, they're probably their most impressive win is either UVA or USC and Virginia Tech. I mean, three pretty good wins. It's about it. I mean, listen, I'm not saying Notre Dame's terrible, but, you know, they're... Ranked 16th, okay, decent team. My point is Michigan is okay, not great. You want to just go by the eye test and say Ohio State is the best team in the country? I mean, I guess you could say that. I don't say I don't see how you can say that they're better than LSU. I mean, Ohio State's wins, well, I guess, listen, it's really irrelevant because here you go. LSU's got to play Georgia for the SEC championship game. Now, if LSU wins, obviously they're in. If they lose, they still could get in. But Georgia's fourth, so if Georgia wins, they're in. Now, you guys know I'm a big Georgia guy. I don't think Georgia's really one of the four best teams in the country. Their offense is just not it's just not clicked at all this year. Defense is really good. Offense, eh. And they're not that much fun to watch. i got to be honest with you. This is not... The Georgia team of a few years ago with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in the backfield. And McCall Hardman. And Wims. All the four of those guys are all playing in the pros now. Javon Wims playing for the Bears. McCall Hardman playing for the Chiefs. I, I mean, it, it's, you know, Chubb starting running back for 
the Browns, and we just talked about Sony Michelle for the, uh, the Patriots. I mean, he's okay. He's not great in the pros yet. But, I mean, that was a great college offense, you know, with Fromm throwing the ball. Oh, and Isaac Nauta is a tight end who's on the lines. I mean, that's, that's five guys in the pros. Now, Swift is a good running back. Um, you know, they've got some pieces, but it just has not clicked for them this year offensively. So Ohio State plays in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, I believe. Right? Because Wisconsin beat Minnesota. Yeah. So Ohio State's going to win that game. So one of those, and if LSU wins, I think LSU should be one. Because they beat Alabama at Alabama. Now, I understand Alabama just lost to Auburn. It was in Auburn. It was a game for the ages. 48-45. Game had two pick sixes by Auburn. Had a kickoff return for a touchdown by Alabama. Had um, the ridiculous end of the first half where they gave Auburn an extra second on the clock and the guy kicked a 52-yard field goal. And then Alabama, we've talked about this a million times. What's their one bugaboo? The kicking game. And the poor guy, I felt bad for the kid. Hit it, had a chance to tie the game, send it in overtime. Hit it, looked like a good kick, and at the last second, hit the left upright and, and bounced left instead of bouncing right and going in. And and Saban, rightfully, and you know I'm not a, not a big Nick Saban guy, but he was livid at the end of the first half, and rightfully so, because the rule is you they they ran a play, the clock stops on first downs in college, only to reset the chains. Then they roll the clock. So, uh. Auburn was out of timeouts. There's no reason. There's no way they could get a, the, the the field goal team, the field goal unit on the field, and then snap the ball. There's no way with only one second. It's got to be three at least. For some reason, they held it, let him snap it, and kicked it. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I have to say, Alabama got screwed there. They got absolutely screwed. I'd be livid if I was my team that that happened to. Livid. Ridiculous. But now the question becomes, who amongst the teams outside of Georgia, Utah or Oklahoma, can get in? Now, Utah is going to play in the Pac-12 championship. Oklahoma is going to play in the Big 12 championship. And actually, they play Baylor, which right now Baylor is ranked behind Florida, which is dumb. Florida is 10-2, Baylor is 11-1. But if Oklahoma beats Baylor, see, Utah's only losses to USC. But they, their wins are not that great. Let's take a look at Utah's schedule. Because the Pac-12 in general is not that great. So Utah beat BYU, who's eh. Northern Illinois, come on. Idaho State, no thank you. I mean, none of these wins are doing anything for anybody right now. They lost to USC. They beat Washington State. Washington State, bad year this year. They beat Oregon State. Oregon State's not any good. They beat Arizona State. Arizona State's decent. Decent team. Not great, decent. They blew out Cal. Cal's not any good. They beat Washington. Washington, eh, 37-5 uh, team. They blew out UCLA. UCLA no, no, isn't any good. Arizona's not any good. Colorado's not any good. I mean, that's the problem. They don't have any signature wins. Their best win is against Arizona State. Now, look, Utah's a good team. I've watched them play. Their defense is phenomenal. And they got a great running back. But they just don't have any signature wins. And so their best win will be if they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon's, again, decent, not great. They just lost to Arizona State a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Oregon's 10-2, and and they lost a close game to Auburn, and Auburn beat Alabama. I mean, if you want to do the transit of property, you could, you could, you know, you could do that. 
you know, and listen, I'd like to kind of see Utah in. I, I, I think it's interesting when, you know, the teams that aren't the standard old guard make the championship. It's fun. I like it. So I wouldn't have a problem if Utah beats Oregon and Georgia loses to LSU and you want to slide Utah in there as the four spot. That's fine. I'm fine with it. But can you do that if Oklahoma beats Baylor? That's, let's, because we'll take a look. Oklahoma will have beaten Baylor twice. They beat Baylor when Baylor was undefeated. And they're going to beat, and if they beat them this week in the, in the, in the, Big 12 championship game. Let's take a look at Oklahoma's schedule. See, I could do this all day. I really could. I could, I could do an hour on this. I love this stuff. All right, let's take a look at it. They beat Houston, 49-31. Houston's not any good this year. South Dakota, whatever. UCLA, whatever. Texas Tech's not any good. Kansas, not any good. They beat Texas, 34-27. Texas was ranked at the time. Texas is not ranked now. Texas is not a very good team this year. They beat up a bad West Virginia team. Kansas State, they they lost to. Kansas State's pretty good. Kansas State's 8-4. and four. Not great. Not terrible. I mean, Texas is 7-5. and five. They beat Iowa State. Iowa State is 7-5. and five. Again, not a bad team, but not a great team. They beat Baylor when Baylor was undefeated. That was a game they were down big and came back. We talked about that a few weeks ago. When Jalen Hurts, who had a bunch of bad turnovers early, brought them back late. Kid never wavers. They beat TCU. TCU's not particularly good either. Five and seven. And they, they kind of eat that one out. And then they just they just kind of smashed Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was ranked 21st at the time, eight and four. You know what? Oklahoma's resume not that great either. You want to put Utah in there over Oklahoma, even if Oklahoma beats Baylor? Because Oklahoma's two best wins will be against the same team, which is Baylor. You want to go ahead and put, and Utah's only loss will be to USC, who ended up having a decent year. You want to do that? That's fine. I have no problem with that. And I love Oklahoma, and I love Jalen Hurts, and I love watching Oklahoma. They're most, one of the most exciting teams in the country to watch. And LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma be a hell of a Final Four. That's what it comes down to. If the chalk holds. If LSU beats Georgia, and Ohio State wins, and Oklahoma wins, Clemson's going to win. It's not even a question. So, if that happens, then your, your question is, who gets in that fourth spot? Oklahoma or Utah? I think it's a coin flip at that point. I bet you Oklahoma goes because they've got the cachet. They passed the eye test. They've got the big-time offense, the big-time coach, and the big-time quarterback. But again, I would have no problems if Utah made it. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. We'll be back next week to break down all of championship weekend as well as week 14 in the NFL. Until then, peace out.